every program um, is sort of like, you know, an autonomous machine. And I don't think a, a program needs a director for education per se. Um, and I know that's a very profound and, and probably controversial statement. But I personally feel um, and, and I feel strongly that the role of the program director is to cultivate culture, is to cultivate culture of the program such that when uh, a trainee um, is able to graduate from the program and work independently, that that trainee is no longer just a fully fledged cardiologist, but becomes a role model, a role model in society, a role model to those who I perceive to be the most important in our society. And that's those are the kids. You're listening to Parallax from Radcliffe Cardiology in association with makeadent.org. Here is your host, Ankur Kalra, MD. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to another episode of Parallax. Uh, this is um, a continuation of the mini-series that Dr. Anna Waker and Parallax have put together uh, for our audience and for the listenership. Um, and for um, those of you who haven't listened to the first two episodes of the mini-series, I highly recommend that you go back um, and listen to those before you jump in on this one, uh, because the effort is to have uh, the series put together in a continuum. Not that you can't listen to each of these episodes uh, in and of themselves, but I do think that listening to the first two will give you a better perspective of the third one. Um, so with that uh, preamble, um, it's my pleasure, honor, and delight to welcome back Dr. Anna Waker on Parallax. Um, Dr. Anna Waker is professor of medicine at the Mayo Clinic, and he's the program director of Cardiovascular Disease Fellowship Program, arguably uh, one of the finest uh, training programs in the country, if not in the world, um, in cardiovascular medicine. Um, he's back with us um, on Parallax. And uh, the focus of our discussion for this episode is going to be um, a topic which Dr. Anavekar lives every day, and that is postgraduate medical education. And when we were putting these um, series together, he, um, uh, you know, graciously reached out in an email and laid out some of the topics he, he'd like to uh, be covered. And postgraduate medical education was one of them. And it's, it was um, both fascinating as well as thought provoking for me uh, to read what he had to say about postgraduate medical education, because he was comparing how uh, postgraduate medical education or education in general used to be, um, you know, back in the day with, um, you know, teach with, with a symbiotic association between the learner uh, and the teacher and how, you know, with, with modern times, um, it has sort of become skewed more toward the teacher becoming the celebrity, but I should stop here and and let Dr. Anna Waker pick up because he's very learned on this topic. And Dr. Anna Waker, welcome back on the show. And thank you so much for doing this for us. Not at all. And, and I hope by this stage, you can just call me London. Um, I think we're good friends and I consider you, um, even though we haven't met, uh, I consider you, you know, as, as a brother. Um, and just for your, uh, you know, listenership, what I would say is in, now in the last, you know, four to six weeks, I've had a chance to, to go and, 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 and listen to a lot of the other episodes on this podcast. And, and I've got to say, uh, if you're listening out there, I would, I would take this podcast not as 
you know, something to enjoy, but as something to learn from, I'm, I'm learning so much from all these episodes and the amazing guests that Ankur has been able to cultivate. Um, and, and it's, it's profound. It just, it just shows how complex, um, uh, the world is, our profession is, how many different interacting factors. Um, and it's, this is a, this is a, a, an amazing, amazing learning experience. So I, I just want to make sure that I've conveyed my gratitude to Ankur for, for all the work that has gone into this effort. So, so thank you very much, Ankur. Oh, no, the very kind words and thank you, Nandan, for, uh, for sharing your feedback, um, on other episodes of Parallax. I'm sure as much as it means to me, it means the world to, uh, the entire team at Parallax who, I think works very hard to put these episodes together um, as well as, you know, I just have a presence on social media. I think a lot of effort goes into creating those social media constructs. So, um, you know, so congratulations to uh, the team at Parallax for all the kind words that Dr. Anavaker has, has said about us. And uh, Nandan, with that, let's just, uh, you know, dive into the, the topic of our discussion uh, for this episode, which is, you know, postgraduate medical education. And, you know, you, you sort of live this role um, every day. So I think before we uh, get down to some of the philosophical and, and theological backgrounds of education and, and the Gurukul, um, tell us about your, your life uh, and, you know, your day as a, as a program director. Yeah. Um, so um, I, uh, thank you for the, thank you for the question, um, Ankur. So I, um, uh, began my role, um, in the position of program director, um, uh, in the, in the midst of the COVID pandemic, um, it was around March of 2021. Um, and I remember when I was interviewing for the position, and I remember one of the questions was, um, you know, wh- why do you want to be, why do you want the position? And I said, uh, I remember distinctly because th- these, uh, this answer I was reflecting on well before I was asked the question. And, and, and I answered, I actually don't want the position for the sake of the position. Um, because we all have goals in mind. Um, and if the position is the goal, um, then, um, what am I going to do with it apart from use it for my own betterment? But rather, the position should be a means, um, and the goal should be different. And for me, the goal was to be a part of the the process, the paradigm, um, or the construct that serves um, for the betterment of um, our trainees and their experience and how they um, mature from uh, the beginning fellow to the one that can uh, independently and autonomously practice as cardiologists within society. Furthermore, I think that every program um, is sort of like, you know, an autonomous machine. And I don't think a a program needs a director for education per se. Um, And I know that's a very profound and, and probably controversial statement. But I personally feel, um, and, and I feel strongly, that the role of the program director is to cultivate culture. It's to cultivate culture of the program such that when uh, a trainee um, is able to graduate from the program and work independently, that that trainee is no longer just a fully-fledged cardiologist, but becomes a role model, a role model in society, a role model to those who I perceive to be the most important in our society, and that's those are the kids. And the 
the perspective I have is that um, these graduates should not be a role model for kids to become physicians, but a role model for kids to see how one should behave, um, you know, from an ethical sort of standpoint. So again, I, you know, um, since beginning as, as a program director, you know, now in, into my third cycle, um, I've, I've taken my part or my vision to cultivate culture, to, to cultivate a vision of community, to harmonize, um, that role of every individual being to serve the one next to them so that we can all progress to cultivate a spirit that is no longer competitive, but rather cooperative so that we all succeed, that, that somebody's success becomes my success um, rather than seeing everything from the perspective of what I can gain. Um, and as part of that is some of the, the, the traditional um, uh, education um, that, that leads one down the path of autonomous practice. Um, and I, I guess that would sum up, you know, um, you know, a little bit in a in a, in a uh, long-winded uh, fashion, uh, what 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 my day-to-day sort of thoughts have been as I um, uh, take this this very you know um, uh, disposition, which I take very seriously. Great answer. And um, as you were describing. Um, you know, your interview and, and what was asked as to why you wanted the position. And, uh, you know, you've beautiful, beautifully put um, the position to serve um, uh, a meaning rather than be the goal. And that's just so eloquently put. I think all of us should, uh, you know, whatever positions uh, we're seeking for, just aspire to, um, to have that mindset uh, for those positions to serve a, to serve a meaning rather than be the goal. Um, uh, what I was uh, thinking when you were describing uh, the interview was the, you know, just the magnanimity of the place where you're at, uh, you know, the Mayo Clinic and, um, the Mayo Clinic, uh, you know, certainly everyone, every single one of us within cardiovascular medicine has interfaced with, um, the Mayo Clinic, uh, videos that they're sort of the Mayo videos, right? Uh, that's the, that's the slang, the popular slang. Did you listen or did you watch the Mayo videos? So, you know, what, I, what I'm trying to get at is that the Mayo Clinic has been at the forefront of education and has done a really good job in putting educational content together for a very long time, you know, whether it's in internal medicine or whether it's, uh, in cardiovascular disease or even, you know, echocardiography, interventional cardiology, I think, for the purposes of certification and recertification, I think the the, the nation listens to the Mayo Clinic videos uh, or watches them. Um, to be at um, such an important role uh, in an institution which has such a legacy for education, um, I wanted your insights on that uh, before we start delving into some of the uh, you know finer details about education and, and postgraduate medical education. Yep, wonderful. Um, so f- first and foremost, um, you know, I, you know, b- being at Mayo, I, I think for me is a is a is a privilege uh, and it's an honor. Uh, and I think being at any institute for that individual should represent a, a privilege and an honor. Um, what one of the things I've observed um, being at Mayo is is not um, not simply the effort um, that that Mayo faculty um, or physicians uh, place. On education, it's it's actual devotion, and and that's a that's a major lesson for me. Um, and and that lesson is that whatever you do, 
um, you know, uh, whatever duty you undertake, it should be undertaken with a sense of devotion. What I was wanting to ask you was um, the email exchange that we had, Nandan, you uh, raised a few points on uh, how postgraduate medical education and the role of the teacher has been has been glorified in modern times and, and sort of the teacher has become the celebrity, um, which I know that, um, you know, based on um, how you responded to the question that was asked in the interview when you were taking on the role of the program director, um, it goes against the the ethical principles of the the role being uh, or, or the, the role serving a meaning in your, in your life. Um, and I think what you commented in the email really struck a chord with me. Um, and I really want you to elaborate on that aspect. Absolutely. Um, I think if we reflect back um, to, to, you know, how we all, um, you know, got into medical school, we're, we're all sort of high achievers, you know, at, at a young age, we're driven by a lot of factors. And I think initially, um, that's, um, a very constructive, um, um, uh, drive to have. Um, it leads us towards the goal, goal to get to medical school, goal to get into a residency program, goal to get into fellowship. But the problem is along the way to that goal, um, we become accustomed to, um, the idea of what we are worth. Um, and, and that worthiness comes from a measurement of, of the accolades, um, that are bestowed upon us. And then I think as we mature, um, with those accolades, um, we, we rest on those accolades to show our superiority compared to others around us. And I think that's a part of our profession. I think that's a part of, I think, life in general that can hinder us from actually getting the very best uh, out of ourselves and, and out of those who are, who we are responsible for. Um, now, when it comes to the teaching space, what I've noticed, um, and, and you mentioned it, I, I, I sort of, I, I use the, the, the words that the teacher has become the celebrity. Um, and I think that, you know, we, we are so fortunate that we have, you know, some amazing teachers out there. Um, but the teaching space has been one where the teacher has been central and has been sort of prioritized as, as the meaning behind every, uh, you know, uh, every encounter. And how I came to this conclusion was, was really very funny for me or, or amusing is because when I went to my son's preschool and I saw how uh, effective, I observed how effective his preschool teachers were, I just noticed that the paradigm was in reverse where, where the kids were really the center of this framework. Um, and I, I look back at, at, the, at the fellowship program and, and then at other meetings where we go to, um, how we highlight, you know, you know, you know, reams of preamble of, you know, all the accomplishments of a, of a given individual, well-deserved, albeit well-deserved. Um, but we make that an emphasis, um, in the teaching space. Um, and I think that, you know, we may be, better off or we may we should at least consider what if we turn that paradigm 
around um, and 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 learn a few lessons, maybe from the preschool um, sort of precept um, in in terms of no, it's it, the teacher is not is important of obviously very central is is an important ingredient to the learning environment, but let's not emphasize all the accolades of the teacher, but rather let's simplify the learning environment to focus on exactly what the needs of the learner are. Um, and, and, and I think that's, that's a complex, uh, sort of, uh, concept, um, to sort of think about and process. Um, but I think that the, uh, concept, um, gets a lot more, uh, granular and easy to digest. Um, once we look at some of the, the philosophical origins of, of the learning environment and, and what exactly a learning environment is. And, and really so, so, you know, in a nutshell, you know, I think that um, um, emphasizing the learning environment um, as the centerpiece um, uh, in which the learner is given um, the, the the preference um, and where the teacher is given the platform, um, I think we can become more effective. Yeah, no, I, I think what you describe here and, you know, as you were describing, I just uh, was... Um, um, it, I, I was reflecting on, on the, uh, on the meeting I had with, with the teachers, um, with, you know, my, my son's teachers who's in kindergarten and he's going to be first grade now, um, is that, yeah, I mean, we, uh, like the, the focus is the learner and the focus is not the teacher. Um, and it's, um, and, you know, I think these teachers play such an important role in shaping up the lives of our kids and, and in teaching them and educating them and they'll become, uh, the, the future, you know, doctors and engineers and leaders, what have you. And these, these teachers, you know, of course have such an important role in society, right? Um, crucial role. Uh, but, um, you know, like I, I don't see, um, the, infrastructure like the the schooling or the educational and i'm sure there are awards and and richly deserved awards and, and as there should be but i you know to the extent where we glorify teachers in medicine i think in general has gone too far compared with you know some of the other really important um you know human beings who serve as teachers all their lives uh, and whose primary responsibility and job is to teach the kids right Th those are such important people in, in, in the, in society really. Um, and they don't get, um, you know, they, they don't get to be put on, on a pedestal as, as high as physicians who question are, uh, are great teachers. Then how do you focus, um, on this paradigm to, to shift, you know, with, with the focus on the learner and not, the teacher how do you do that within your own construct as as the program director and how do you foster that culture in your colleagues who i'm sure will serve as teachers for your fellows yeah absolutely i, th I think that's a that's an important question um and it's an important it's an important problem right and like how do we um be a part of a process that centralizes or emphasizes the, the learner. Um, and so I, I can only speak to, to, um, 
to what I've sort of been involved in and, and, and the, and the vision I have. And I, I think the first, the first thing is, um, it, you know, my, my participation is, is nothing of original thought. It, it's all come from my studies in, in, uh, human philosophy, uh, specifically, um, you know, the, the, the works from the Vedic literature where it actually maps out and defines what a learning environment is. Um, and first and foremost, something that struck me because I've been guilty of saying it. I, I've always said how I self-study and I've self-learned this. Um, and it was really profound in this literature where, um, they have gone far to say, or the literature, uh, philosophy states that there's no such thing as self-learning. There is a concept of self-study, but only studying what you've already learned. Um, meaning that you can't just pick up a book and learn something because picking up a book means or implies a couple of assumptions. One, that you know how to read. Um, number two, that you understand what is being conveyed as it was meant to be understood. Um, and we know that many a times when we read something, we may have understood something, but we may have understood it in the wrong way. And so therefore, in this sort of uh, Vedic philosophy, it really um, intimates that the first sort of um, uh, transaction in the learning space is between a teacher uh, who then uh, uh, imparts the knowledge to the student. And in fact, one of the, the paradigms has been knowledge uh, as, as uh, flowing water, right? Uh, you know, as a river flows from high altitude to a low altitude, so too knowledge should flow from that teacher who comes from a, a space of, of higher knowledge and flows down or is imparted to the student who is downstream of that. Now, um, for that to occur, you actually need to afford time um, for teachers um, to teach. Um, and that's that's really tough, right? Because we're all being, you know, um, uh, pulled in all different directions. But a mandate that has been supported by, you know, the, the leadership where, where, where I work um, is to provide time for teachers to be with the students, the trainees and the fellows, um, to be able to teach. Now, the second part um, of this to be effective is that what, what we teach should not be assumed, right? Um, we should not assume that a student comes to us um, with a certain you know, knowledge of a topic. Um, and for that reason, um, I, um, you know, I tend to try to construct my lessons um, uh, focused on the novice, um, which means that any term that I'm used that is out of the vernacular, I think it's important to define. Um, and so um, we come we come up with a definitional construct of of a lesson. We come up with objectives. You know what what is the goals from the lesson that that we're trying to convey here? And then the the next part is once we have provided the lesson, we need to establish a safe space where the learner can ask questions because questions intimate that what is being uh, conveyed is being processed by the mind. Um, and so questions are really a surrogate of an individual, of a learner trying to understand and cement that knowledge. Now, philosophically, 
um, there are three words that are used in Sanskrit. Um, the first is shravana. Uh, the second is manana. And the third is nididhyasanam. And all three are integral parts of this learning environment. Shravana um, refers to um, just listening, okay? And that's the interaction of the lesson. That's where the student listens to the teacher um, who's trying to impart the knowledge. The, impart the knowledge. Manana is actually when the knowledge is being um, received in the mind, the mind sort of tries to or, or, or raises, naturally raises doubts. And those doubts rise to the surface as questions. And as the learner asks questions, the teacher is then responsible, has the duty to resolve those doubts with a sense of consistency. And then the final part, um, which in our profession, you know, in, in, in the sort of the, the true meaning of the word nididhyasanam is to be contemplative or meditative um, on that which is being understood. And for us in our profession, that means practicing, right? That means, that means taking what you've learned, what you've understood, and then contemplating that, um, whether it's, you know, at home and you're re reviewing a book or whether it's on the wards and you're, you're, you're treating a patient and you're looking at the problem and putting that lesson into practical terms, that is cementing that knowledge so that it becomes a part of the learner. I um, mean, so, so, you know, as, as I mentioned, you know, it's an important problem that, that you've brought, um, to this conversation. And as I say, you know, this is what my approach is. I have to negate that. It's not my approach at all. It's basically what I've learned. Um, from, from, from an ancient, very ancient literature. And what I'm, I'm only doing my best, um, with the utmost humility, um, to bring into practice and, and see whether it works, um, for the students that, that I'm sort of participating with. Yes. And then, um, I think an important component of, of your role is also to, um, I think for lack of a better word, just cater to the audience that you're teaching, right? I mean, because th there's a spectrum. I mean, you have the the general cardiovascular disease fellows, then you have the advanced, uh, you know, fellows, whether it's in electrophysiology, interventional cardiology, cardiovascular imaging, or advanced heart failure and, and transplant cardiology. And then you also have the residents, you have the house staff, you have medical students, um, you have... Um, you know, people in different stages of of their career development, an important role for the teacher is then to also, you know, for lack of a better word, cater to the audience that the teacher is trying to teach a particular topic to, because there is a there is a wide spectrum there uh, with people in different, um, you know, stages of career development, you know, from medical students to house staff or, or residents to fellows, and even within fellowship, you know, different stages of fellowship. Uh, you know, from year one to year three, and then the advanced fellowships, um, you know, in electrophysiology and interventional cardiology and cardiovascular imaging, advanced heart failure. So how, how do you um, cater to the audience that you're, you're teaching a topic to? Yes, yes. I, I think it's, 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 it's important. Uh, and, 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 and you're right. Um, the, even the learning is, is very complex because everyone's at a different stage. Um, and so with my, with my sort of role, um, at, at the general fellowship level, um, you know, obviously we're sort of, there's a lot of conferences, right? And, and there's a limit to how many conferences or educational 
didactic time uh, that that we can have. Um, we're very fortunate at, at Mayo that that we we do have a, a lot of different conferences available um, with with different um, emphasis. So there is an EP didactic session that that the EP group um, have. There's a you know interventional. There's imaging. Um, we have the general ones. And and um, for me, um, what I do is a couple of things. For the general fellows, again, I try to um, focus my attention to the entry-level learner. Um, and so, you know, without any assumptions. But then the other thing that, that we do at other conference times um, is I get le- the, the learners who may be a little bit more advanced, um, who may be, for example, in, in imaging as a subspecialty or an intervention or an EP. And I say, well, now I, I want you to teach um, a specific topic in EP, but at the level uh, that's suitable for an entry-level learner. So with that task, um, yes, they are teaching an entry-level uh, learner, um, maybe some basic um, imaging in, in CT, but in order for them to do that, um, they have to be able to be prepared and they're learning in within their own um, sort of advanced level or, or area of specialty, um, uh, something that they may have not have initially mastered. So I think I think it's trying to take advantage of um, the, the strengths of different members of 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 the training program, um, and then highlighting that and giving them an opportunity to teach. Um, and then it also exposes them to the challenges of teaching. Um, that, that, that we all face. Um, and, and it provides them an opportunity to, to sharpen some of their tools. Um, and I think that as our profession continues to expand in terms of, um, you know, niches of practice, um, uh, having, uh, some process where we can diversify, uh, the, the, the teaching space, um, and the learning environment will become a necessity, a necessity, uh, uh, a challenge that we're all uh, going to have to face and and that we're going to have to work together with collaboratively, uh, co- collaboratively um, across institutions. And I think this brings up the 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 idea of of going away from the brick and mortar learning space and developing such a collaborative uh, inter-institutional um, uh, learning environment where we bring teachers who are um, passionate about teaching, um, who are emphasizing the learner um, in the same community as the learners who value that which is being taught. Um, and a key, again, the key here is that for knowledge to be conveyed, um, we need qualified teachers, uh, indeed, who, 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 who are passionate about teaching, who have a wealth of knowledge that they want to convey. And the qualifications of the learner is one who is seeking and values that knowledge which is being imparted. And I, th- I think, I think our profession is certainly at that point. And I think we learned some big lessons from COVID that, that we should aim to transcend, uh, the brick and mortar institutional paradigm. Yes, which is, I think, a great segue for, for me to briefly discuss about, about, um, GCU. Um, and I do know that, um, you know, we will be following up this episode with an episode on GCU, um, you know, because um, this is sort of the, the concluding episode for the miniseries. Um, tell us more about Global Cardiology University. And for the listeners, GCU stands for Global Cardiology University. 
And it's, um, it's an effort on part of Dr. Anavekar and his colleagues uh, to democratize medical education and something which he just, just briefly talked to us about. So Nandan, can you elaborate on GCU and your vision and the effort to, to democratize medical education? Yes, yes, absolutely. So um, Global Cardiology University um, is an effort that, that um, I've got to say I'm, I participate in. Um, it um, is moving forward, uh, uh, you know, in a manner that I'm really proud of. Um, and it's moving forward only because of Herculean efforts of so many people. Um, and it really is um, a space where, where, where teachers um, and learners um, have really come together um, to form, I think, a community. So uh, uh, it's it's not not um, a platform where we just see lessons being put together, but we really see it as a, a growing um, community, um, a community where uh, we all value each other um, uh, for what is brought to the table. Now, um, I have to mention a name, um, you know, Dr. Anthony Kashu. Um, he, he, his history goes back a long way. Um, and he's otherwise known as the EKG guy. Um, and he's really paved the way, um, in terms of, of what we do, um, in the, you know, ECG sort of teaching space. So much so that he's actually been a part of a major uh, randomized controlled trial called the Educate trial, looking at how how we teach ECGs and whether we should be doing things differently. Um, and he's developed this platform, um, um, you know, which we we house GCU on, uh, and it's very learner centric. Um, and as part of that, um, you know, with this team, which now consists of several teachers and a growing number of trainees from all over the country. And if I'm correct, I think we have um, several uh, learners from across the globe, um, including the Middle East, um, uh, India, um, and um, uh, other parts of Southeast Asia. Um, and what we have uh, accrued uh, to date is uh, obviously the full uh, ECG curriculum um, really developed by Anthony Kashu a very robust um, uh, general cardiology and echocardiography curriculum. Um, each lesson with its own set of learning objectives um, uh, and, and, and goals. Um, each lesson with a set of quizzes and questions um, uh, and everything backed by um, learner statistics. So a learner can see how he or she is progressing and, and what gaps there, there may be. Um, uh, the, the, the team is also developing flashcards, um, to again foster that, that learning, um, process. I think the most powerful part of this, um, is the community. Um, and again, um, we have teachers, um, interacting directly from, with students and the students could be somewhere so remote from, from where the teacher is and, and vice versa, um, which I think is just absolutely beautiful. Um, I could be getting questions from, from a learner in India, um, at opposite ends of the, of the 24 hour day. Um, but I can still answer that question in real time. Um, my most recently, uh, or most recently, um, we did a, a didactic lesson for some students at, uh, the University of Jordan. And I had the, just the most 
unbelievably fun time. Uh, it was, I, I remember this very vividly because it was a snowstorm and I had the lesson conducted from my basement and it was early morning for me and it was the end of the day for the students who were all online. Um, and we interacted directly just as a teacher would, um, in a classroom. Um, and so global cardiology university, um, I, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a resource that's out there. Um, certainly I'm not, I'm not proposing that it is the, you know, be all and end all or, 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 or a replacement for anything. I, I see that it's, it's an additional tool and I see it as an additional tool from which we can understand the world we're living in. Like, for example, you know, how do we as human beings interact with the, with the universe that's around us? It's, it's through our sense. It's a, through our sense organs, right? Um, we see, we, we hear, we, we touch, we taste. Um, and all of those organs of, of sensation take the, the world and presents it to our mind, which then brings up a, a perception, right? And, and based upon that perception, we interact with the universe. And similarly, what I say about GCU is that it indeed is just, it's another instrument. It's another instrument that I hope will serve the individual learner to understand, um, the, the world of knowledge, um, that they are interacting with, um, and helps them to get the best out of themselves as a learner and may instill the motivation for them. Um, to participate at a future time as a teacher, um, because indeed this this profession, um, it's it's in my opinion, it's it's an organism, it's a living, breathing organism, and we need to nurture it. We need to look after it. Um, we need to make sure that we look after each other as the best mechanism of looking after our profession. Yeah, no, um, uh, excellent closing remarks there, Nandan, and I. I couldn't agree with you more that. I think nothing can supplant um, anything else. Um, I think, and, and it also caters to how we are as learners. You know, I think some of us, uh, you know, learn through audio. You know, some of us learn through a textbook. Some of us will learn through videos. Um, any closing remarks for our mini series, Nandan? I know this is the last episode and, um, you know, for, for the listeners, you know, please share your feedback with us. You know, both Dr. Anavekra and I are, um, are very keen on, on learning how you've interacted with these, uh, with, with these episodes, particularly this mini series and whether you want uh, us to focus on, uh, you know, some topics which you feel deficient in or you feel that we need to discuss more about, uh, please feel free to reach out to us and we'll do our best to put another mini-series together. But any closing remarks here, Nandan? I, I guess um, my, my closing remarks, especially, um, you know, culminating in, in, in all the, this being the third conversation that we've had is that, you know, especially to those who are training out there, um, you guys are all amazing individuals. Um, you've entered into a profession that at its core um, really um, provides an opportunity uh, for you to, um, to become uh, leaders, to become um, individuals that um, uh, uh, contribute uh, to the progress of our society, not just our profession. Um, and understand that each and every one of you is an absolute miracle. Um, and, and you will have ups and downs, but as long as you stay true to your moral compass 
um, that you continue to help those around you, whether it's your patients getting over an illness or whether it's your peers getting over, uh, you know, an adversity. Um, and as long as you do not search for a particular outcome, but accept every outcome um, as an opportunity for yourselves to grow, um, you've already guaranteed yourself success. Finally, I would convey um, that try to reset your approach away from a competitive perspective to a more collaborative perspective. Help those around you. Um, as I learned from um, a, a lecture from um, Swami Vivekananda, um, there are really only two classes of people, a class that struggles and a class that helps those who are struggling. And the beauty of this classification is that we all belong to both classes. We will all face challenges and are blessed with those who reach out and help us. Similarly, try to be that blessing in someone else's life who may be struggling. Um, with that, um, Ankur, again, just thank you so very much for having these crucial and meaningful conversations. Um, I have certainly grown uh, from the experience and I look forward um, um, to listening uh, to your podcast well into the future as a learner. Um, it, it really has helped me so much. So thank you so much, Ankur. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast produced by Radcliffe Cardiology in association with makeadent.org. We aim to bring you a new angle of all things cardiology every second week. Review us on your favorite podcast app or send your comments or questions to podcast at radcliffe-group.com. To view the series, head to radcliffecardiology.com forward slash podcasts forward slash parallax. Thanks for listening.